Radio Worm goes to O Festival. Reports from Chola and Tisa. And welcome everybody to Radio Worm Goes to O Festival, the final broadcast post-festival happening. Yes, uh, what a beautiful way to begin with an applause. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, the beginning of Rebuilding a Voice, which I saw on Saturday. And they started with um, coming in and clapping themselves and the audience were being there. And then, it, as you're hearing now, it kind of evolved. It was, it was nice. It was a nice, funny, awkward way to begin. I uh, saw the preview of their show on Friday mm. before the festival, the whole festival, Shebang, happened. And they, they were looking at the audience with quite creepy faces. It kind yeah. of freaked me out, huh? Yeah, that they, moment, yeah. Yeah, they had... Um, oh, sorry, my mic was being funny. Um, they had... Um, they were all, all wearing, like, tan beige silk onesies. And then they each had a different colour pen around their lips but not on the shape of their lips like lipstick but more like a big ring and then they had that color on their hands and then later in their show they started to like move their hands across their body and like it was really it was really funny um and yeah it was a really um nice show but we haven't actually seen each other since the end of O. so how are you feeling post oh <laughs> uh wow i'm still processing everything that uh, we've seen in those days like for sure it was a lot i didn't count all the shows that i went to but probably there was like 10 12 15 of them i don't know it's like a whole year of shows kind of merged into one like mm. super dense experience but actually it was very enjoyable i need a good rest now you know to contemplate and to kind of digest everything that had happened did you get any did you get an inspiration during the festival for sure it's unavoidable mm. to get it right but but what are you going to do with it that maybe that's more more <laughs> what i mean <laughs> well i think it's uh, great to consider works in a holistic approach so like we've seen a lot of staged pieces in a theatrical sense with lights with costumes movement narrative and so on you know so when it comes to my own vocal practice i'm uh, excited to expand it in the thought at least of how to do a show that is holistic mm. as well you know yeah perhaps that's a moment how, how was it for you and uh, what's your um, takeaway mm. I felt the same like I think I often just work with my voice and I don't think that much about a little bit about movement but not really around staging and I was like there could be 
really interesting like set design or elements of the piece that I haven't thought about and that made me excited to like collaborate with somebody who thinks more in that way and could like work on an idea together because mm -hmm. I think from my study and my masters it was kind of like you did everything yourself that was really like where it stemmed from so I've never collaborated in my past and I collaborate a lot now but it's it's different to kind of getting an, uh, someone who's really specialized or really loves that field and then work with them so also it's kind of like yeah that's that's possible that's like yeah. what people do like you don't have to do everything yourself so I think that was a nice reassurance and then for me also was thinking I think I said this in the last broadcast on Friday but to start having singing lessons mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. start kind of practicing and being more aware of how I'm using uh, my voice um yeah so th those two things yeah. I think yeah and uh can you look at the show that you did with the Sonic Witch Choir uh, in a different way now that you have it uh, positioned in the context of the whole festival? Because, okay, uh, to explain a bit to the audience, uh, both me and Chola have participated in uh, performances during the festival as performers as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm wondering, like, can you, can you position your own performance? in any kind of a way into the totality of the festival? Hmm. It was definitely not one of the like theatrical ones. We were more like a musical performance and holding space through sound. Um, and we were less to be, I think, immersed in through the sound rather than immersed in through the movement or the space of the room. I think that's where we position ourselves. Yeah, so it could, I say, on the music and singing side of the festival rather than the theatre side of the festival. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas your one was completely theatre, or not completely, but very much theatre was integral to your work. Absolutely. How, how do you? Where do you position it? Yeah. So ours was uh, Exit Thirty Two, an apocalyptic uh, scenario. A tower is building at its base, and we're positioned uh, somewhere in the high floors of the tower, not realizing that the fact that the tower is burning will result in its collapse. Right. And uh, yeah. So I thought that uh, by the topic of the show, it was more in the apocalyptic part of the programming because uh, recently in one of the shows we've mentioned that there may be like two conceptual lines that the festival program followed one is the, the apocalyptic one the other one is uh, queer so yeah for sure ours was apocalyptic and then also um, super theatrical and chaotic and kind of staged in, in, in yeah. quite a playful way so yeah I would see this you know as, as like what opera used to be as well in mm. the sense of all the elements coming together kind of it was a part of OLAP which means it was far from perfect you know and yeah. uh, I wish we'll get a chance to expand it for a bit. Mm, I hope you do too yeah. I mean I'm sure you will right well you, you can choose to if you get funding or let's through see. the festival mm. yes let's see but um and today's our last broadcast, but we have had three previous broadcasts. Oh God, I'm going to cough, so we're going to have to carry on. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at first, like our first broadcast uh, was an interview with the creators of Orpheus 21. 
the second broadcast uh, and the third and the fourth one were reports uh, from the festival. Basically, we've spoken about the shows that we've seen and played some snippets of them. Uh, in the last one, we've also interviewed Joost, uh, who is the um, dramaturg of the festival. So basically, um, all of these shows are on Mixcloud and you can listen in to them as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, today we kind of wanted to sh share our last things from the festival that we both went to and had and experienced. Um, yes, this is Rebuilding a Voice. Maybe we can just listen to it for a little bit in Mongo and then move on to something else. But this was, as I said before, three women rebuilding their voices. And let's just listen.
you can hear progressing throughout. I'm going to skip to the end because they kind of went through different segments throughout the work of singing, of kind of making sounds, of rolling on the floor, and then at the end they got um, the audience to participate as well, so we're just going to skip ahead to hear that. clapping them but them clapping us so then they ended clapping which is also funny because that's how they started yes nice Nice. so finding the voice and rebuilding it through clapping all right why not indeed (laughs) the body is present yeah i also uh, want to speak about uh, the next work which was quite interactive 
perhaps the most directly interactive that I have encountered on this festival. It was uh, Lulela, and they call it an interactive jazz concert whereby the spectators determine how the performance will unfold. Basically, it looked like this. Uh, upon entering into the hall, we would find two lights on our seats. One was red and the other one was blue. Uh, so at certain moments of this concert, we would uh, hold our hands up with our decision on how the narrative will progress. Everything was in Italian with uh, subtitles in the background, which I really liked actually, because mostly yeah, mostly I think that English was like the language that was used uh, to, to sing in as well. Um, maybe in Lenteke that was not the case, but yeah, in uh, other shows that I've seen, yeah, it was predominantly in English. So uh, here the, the subtitles, the translations really came to be fully. Um, personally, the show was a bit... Uh, too jazzy for me, <laughs> but I think so. What, do, what does that mean? Well, well, uh, well, it's hard to respond to this kind of a question, you know, because it comes down, it boils down to like a personal aesthetic preference. So for me, perhaps it was too predictable, as jazz can be sometimes uh, with its. Uh, parts and codes of interaction, for example, and so on. But yeah, I will just turn off this uh, background singing a bit. Yeah. It's confusing my thoughts. <laughs> I thought you were going to fade you in, but I didn't know if you come in yet. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, Yeah, so it was it, it was a bit predictable, although the audience could, in the show called Lulela, uh, choose their adventure, in a sense. I saw that uh, some people got a bit annoyed because their choice wasn't uh, chosen by the whole group, you know? Um, and it was just about a guy. It was about a he who gets to know himself, finds himself, names himself. He speaks to the she and so on so it's like this one character show that this um, uh, Gabriele Di Franco the creator of the the libretto as well is uh, telling like a story almost to children you know in a way like he's reciting stuff and then he plays the bassoon a bit and so on uh, yeah so there's like a lot of pathways that this show could go in I think like 19 different shows in the end or something like that yeah and what did it mean by they played it differently did they do a different rhythm or like what was the what was the difference so they had uh, um, notes in front of them compositions and then as soon as there was a choice made by the audience they searched for the appropriate part in their notation that they played out and would they all choose the same one or they were all free to choose what they wanted? No, no, they choose the one that the audience chose with the holding up uh. of the either b blue or red light. Yes. <laughs> okay, I want, I want to listen. Super. I have a short Where, where was it excerpt. playing? Uh, good question. Uh, huh, uh, in the Kleine Saal of Theater Schauburg. Okay. Yeah. Theater Rotterdam. Yes. Here it is. Thank you. 
character becomes someone else <laughs> and then the whole story progresses into him finding who he is and so on and I think uh, probably it was autobiographical I got a hunch because uh, Gabriele Di Franco was quite involved in the story with his presence and so on so yeah <laughs> and that as, was a, as a character or as a um, performer Um, so he was, he was like reciting this thing as if it was his own story. At mm. least this is the um, feeling that I got from okay. him. And he's also the one that uh, composed uh, the whole thing, right? So <laughs> that's a good question, actually. Like, uh, does the work always sprout from the creator themselves? You know, mm. like, what's up when? Uh, they work with external references or something that is internal. I think that the work is quite different mm. in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe actually I was going to play something else, but I'm going to change. I had a kind of conversation asking, um, I went to see Missa Mata Sola on Friday night, which was a kind of choral piece. And it was, yeah, it was in Brutus. It was six voices and then a dancer. And it was very beautiful. I think I maybe mentioned... No, I didn't know because we didn't do a show. Um, you can't hear it, but it will come soon. It's quite soft because it was all... The, it was just like no microphones. They were just doing it acoustically, which is also very nice. Um, and I spoke to the director, um, who was also one of the performers in it, and I asked him... It's about um, female energy and female power. Um, and different ways of expressing that. And I asked him if it was autobiographical, and he's like, well, partly, but not completely, because also it was co-created. 
with others. So it's kind of not only his story, but also other stories. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. Um, maybe I'll play the interview with him now because I also asked him about the autobiographical thing. Super. So it's quite nice. It ties together. <laughs> Very nicely. Okay, here we go. It's about a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, it's called Missa Mater Sola, which means the mass of the lonely mother or mass about only the mother. Um, so it, it's a lot about the mother figure, but not only in biological mothers per se, but also in the mother energy that we all carry. So a, a caring energy, a soft energy, a strong energy. Um, so it was, it was a lot about that, the, ar the archetype of the mother, and also about the mother-son relationship, but not in like a psychological way, but more in how do you grow up as a son in a world that is made for men still? So how do you grow up to be a man or a father, or maybe even a mother? So it, it tries to talk about growing up and caring in a non-gender conformed way, in a way. So that was the research. What, what does it mean to be a son, to be a boy, to be a man, father, mother? Um, was it autobiographical in any way? Was it? Autobiographical. Well, in a way, because I have a very uh, yeah, interesting relationship with my mother. I'd say she's mentally not well. Uh, for her whole life so this idea of caring and being taken care of has shifted around quite often uh, my father was quite absent growing up um, so this idea of yeah the father that's not there the mother that takes on both a mothering and a fathering role um, it's well I've, I've dealt with it so it, I don't I didn't really feel that I wanted to, to tell my personal story but of course, these themes touch me in a personal way, but I wanted more to uh, to create an ensemble where we together could talk about all of that, mm -hmm. to have different voices, different colors, different stories, and different opinions about it. Um, so was it a co-creation piece? Yeah. Can you say more about how that worked? Yeah. Well, I worked with four classically trained singers and two more performance-based, uh, or, or, yeah, uh, yeah, more performers, yeah, how do I say, less classically trained singers, um, and I saw really a difference in those two educations or, or ways of approaching scores that I made and asking them to be so personal and co-creating with sharing their stories was an interesting journey on how to create an open space and a a safe space, a sacred space in a way, where people felt uh, ready to share and to co-create. Um, so I'm not only asking for, for voices, but also for their hearts or their stories and um, their energies. So my creation process is always starts with me giving a sort of workshop so I can invite them in 
a different way of singing together than just approaching scores and doing it right, but more to open our hearing and improvise together and get to know each other by how we voice, by how we improvise, by how we let go or not, by how we move also. So there was an older dancer also in the performance that was like the next, or like the previous generation. So she was the mother of our ensemble. Um, and she's a beautiful dancer. Um, she took care a little bit of the movement quality also in the process. So we got to know each other in a way, in a different way than, um, than usual, I think, in a standard classical choir process, in a more personal way. I'm an architect, actually. I studied architecture and urbanism in Ghent first. Um, yes, I'm coming from Ninove, it's a little town near Brussels. And then I first went to uni, university. But then I felt that I really wanted to do something with theater and music. And then I went to conservatory after. And now I'm yeah, like merging this architecture, music, theater, like in that triangle. I work, sometimes I call it music, theatre, architecture because I love singing with the space and putting bodies in space and making architecture in that way and urbanism, living together, community how do we make a form or a frame for that community so those themes are still very much related to choir singing or to theatre in a way and I wanted to ask about yeah, the decisions you made yesterday with the space at Brutus, how you decided, to, where you decided to put the audience, when you decided to come into the audience, if you did it all behind us, like, what were the Yeah, well, that? it's a location piece, and I, I, <laughs> it was a funny story because I was told there would be no, it would be just a space, or I assumed it would be just a space, as I, I saw it before once, I performed also last year, and it was empty, but now there was a tribune we had to deal with, so... Then I approached the. Um, then I approached the venue as a landscape or as a space where there is this object, this tribune. So how to work with it? And then I knew only yesterday how many tickets there were, so how many chairs there had to be. So it's like in a day where you have to decide. Okay, we put the audience like this, so we can go around like that, and then the technical stuff has to be here, the light table there. So for me, it's always a design process how to deal with the space and I had all the variables were only clear yesterday morning so it was like okay so this is the, this is the situation then we put it there we put it there and I like it in a way it's just a bit rock and roll to have to do it in the same time, time day as you perform in the ideal world I would just have a day to deal with the space and then the next day performing because it's always a new montage um, but I know what the material is. We have the songs, we have the texts, we have certain movement scenes. And then I just yeah, deal with every space anew and think, okay, so this song in this space works like that, this can work like that. And we made a new beginning yesterday. And, and compared uh, to the last time you performed it, how did it differ? Well, the last time was in a space with daylight. So there was, there was kind of a lighting design, but that was more amplifying or transforming the daylight that already was there. And now it was a dark space, so that was totally different. Um, and yeah, it's also a bit more peaceful in a way, because we know the music, we had our premiere already. 
um, and it was nice to meet again because it's a choir so it's a community we worked a lot on on that safe space or on sharing so we really became a family in a way and we haven't seen each other for two months and then coming together in the morning and just rock and rolling our way through that montage and just no no, we, we did a couple of sound checks and we sung through every piece, but also not really full because we still have to perform in the night. So it's really based on trust and flexibility that they are like, okay, so tell us where to stand, tell us what to do. Okay, we make a new scene, brilliant, we're going to do it, and we just dive in. And that's also how I approach my performances always. It's not a reproduction of something we already had, but more... This is our material, this is the Spannungsbogh or the curve of the, of the tension, so we know what stages we have in the performances, the arc indeed. And then it's a ritual and we just commit and we know what's the intention of every scene and then yeah, where, you, where you are standing or how you are dealing with a space can be new every time because the intention is clear, the music is clear. Um, so yeah, it works a bit like that. Work is um, part of a trip thing, right? Yeah. So, and I know you have a relationship with her already because you performed Miss uh, Homer Sarkis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Before 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so, have you written the third one, or is it kind of every? Is it you always writing it for O, or what's the relationship with O and the work? Um, well, I'm uh, Theatre Rotterdam is one of my partners, and Music Theater Transparant in Antwerp. And he, Kohle, is the artistic director of Transparant and also of the O Festival. So there is a link between Transparant and O, um, and also with Theater Rotterdam and O. So through these two partners, I ended up playing at O now every year. So I also have different collaborations uh, with Helene Vreda also. And we performed last year with our duet. Um, so O Festival is becoming also a home for my work where I'm also building an audience. It's a festival for opera, music and theatre, so it's, yeah, it fits perfectly with, with my work. And um, also Rotterdam and architecture, urbanism, it's also resonating with the city and with these locations that O Festival has. So on all layers, it's, it's like a brilliant place for me to show my work. So I'm, yeah, so I'm happy that I, I can call it my home and I can come back every year with a piece. No, I haven't written it yet. Um, and also this second one, for my feeling, is not finished yet because I have some snippets of music that I haven't transformed into a score yet. And also a lot of musical, more tribal or polyrhythmical improvisations that still need some work. And yeah, so I'm, I'm not done yet with the music that is relating to this mother and the also the liturgy that is relating to the mother, there's still some, some, some things to figure out, I feel. Because the triptych for me is also a... Or the dramaturgy of the triptych is a, uh, a journey of deconstruction. In the first mass, the, the liturgy was sung very beautifully and uh, a bit more in a pop way than in a classical way, though. So we played around with classical or pop sound. But further, yeah, furthermore, everything was very holy still. The choir was singing every song of the Ordinarium in an undeconstructed way because I was next to it as a soloist 
having monologues about sin and longing and so there w the conflict was in, in that I was reacting on the church through my monologues and now in the second mass we're more one body of performers who are all in conflict with the liturgy itself so it's more an, an attempt to deconstruct the way we are singing it deconstructing the Latin losing the consonants losing the meaning losing the classical sound so it was already a first step in deconstruction and then the third mass I want to make a complete de deconstruction where maybe the audience stands and we have a party we dance on the beats and on the crumbles of an old system um, so that's a bit the dramaturgy of it and maybe I will compose one new piece of music but also use the music of the first two pieces to then really deconstruct my own work in a way also yeah, yeah. Um, and that would be the, the total arc of the triptych Yeah. Well, I was uh, not per se raised religiously or, or in a Catholic way, but I went to a Catholic school. So I'm very... Well, unconsciously, these concepts have been imprinted on my soul <laughs> uh, from a very early age. And while well, being gay and queer in high school was not fun, as it is for a few people. Um, especially in a Christian school where it was really taboo. Homosexuality did not exist. Um, so that was, yeah, it, I wasn't aware at that time, but now looking at society, I can see how these Christian values are still embedded in our culture a lot, even if we're not consciously religious. It's just the mother is either a virgin or a whore, or like the woman is either a mother or failed. So unconsciously, these, like the mother is an archetype and it became a stereotype and that's kind of the well yeah religion is still very present in that way for me and I don't want to make a piece about the church I just take it as a case study for what a community is with its own belief system and then I know quite a bit now about the sacred liturgy so I can really take it as a case study for rules and regulations and laws and rituals that we can then deconstruct um, and it also says something about the choir culture in which still a lot of sacred music is being sung without any problem or any question mark. We keep on singing, we believe in God and sorry and please forgive me and I honor you and we just don't ask ourselves why do we keep singing these sacred texts which are the summum of patriarchy and yeah, why, why do we still do that? So it's also a little soft loving reaction to that endless culture of, of repetition of a, yeah, a religious system that is just well, for me quite double or quite quite problematic a lot of choirs also want to do something with choreography or with placement in space but you have to rehearse that you have to understand how people move and why they move like they do or why they don't move like they do and it takes time so that's what I try to do, because in theatre it's much more normal to rehearse for a couple of weeks and then you get to know each other, you can really, yeah, you can talk, you can even change your ways of seeing things. Um, so that's why I love to work in theatre with choirs, to allow myself the time to, yeah, make different choir concerts. 
next part of the show, uh, I also want to speak about one of the OLAP shows that I've seen. Actually, it was the last show of the whole festival that happened on uh, Sunday afternoon. And it was the OLAP called Lullaby. Uh, to connect with the topic of the mother uh, as well, uh, this piece was all about motherhood, actually, and about this erratic, horrible moment when your child cannot fall asleep. So basically, the singer of this piece is trying really hard to sing the right lullaby for her child to fall asleep. And uh, there is this super beautiful blanket positioned in the middle of the space which basically uh, uh, is the prop uh, of the show like it's super minimalist uh, in its essence so the blanket functions as the bed as the centerpiece of the room in which the mother is kind of locked in uh, as she cannot go into the outside world because her baby is obviously not sleeping and then the blanket transforms into the baby and at one point like there is this um kind of a defeat in her attempt to um, to make her child go to sleep. So she just basically grabs the baby, um, the, the blanket transforms into a cloak, she goes out into the wild of the streets. So we can't really know if everything is like a hallucination of like a fever dream or uh, yeah. What happens you know, when you when you mm. can't sleep for days? Like you become a bit. Uh, uh, yeah. Was that a one person show? There was uh, one main character, the mother. Um, there was also a viola player and a piano player, mm. um, and someone that was um, doing the lights and someone that was um, doing like a little field recordings and electronic music moments especially when there is a protest or a gathering of some sorts we don't know what it's for but it's happening outside her window so basically there are these screams of people and so um what i found beautiful about this show was that they said it is not complete and um, for that reason one of the scenes we will just read out and uh wow that's cool yes yes and uh, also the voice was not amplified which i loved a lot because all of these uh, opera voices uh, uh, hitting us through uh, speakers and microphones it's not the mm. same feeling. that was the same with mr matasola the one the show we were playing before yes. yeah it was really nice but then i kind of wanted yeah. as i said in the interview like i wanted to be inside the voice and maybe in the space that oh like in uh, ubik at worm like the space is quite good flex it's quite intimate and the acoustics are quite good yes. whereas in brutus it was like the sound had escaped a little bit too much mm. yeah yeah that's a pity indeed um so the in this mm, scene that they read out it's like the central scene it's the moment when the mother is speaking to someone uh, offering her a lift back home from this outside uh, unidentified location in the public space where she wanders uh, around with her baby in her arms. And uh, then she gets an advice from, from the person driving, which is something about... So it goes something like, uh, you are never alone when you sing this song to the baby that were generations before you it's like the whole humanity that did the exact same thing you know like singing to a baby as the birth of a song perhaps even 
which I thought it was beautiful. And then uh, she actually sings this song to the baby, not in the show. Huh? I think they don't know yet what this ultimate lullaby is, um, mm. which is great because like, I hope to figure it out next year when they expand this show and do it again in a complete way. So not in the OLAB program, but in the regular program of the festival. Hopefully that, that happens. Yeah, but it was funny to see this uh, mother struggling uh, to sing the lullabies and she was like so nervous about it, you know, singing in this nervous way. <laughs> mm. oh, and then it's come down. Let's hear a little... What, what bit did you record? The bit where she's... The middle bit? The yeah, bit yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, she has a lot of these songs and kind of reflections on how the baby's singing... Uh, the baby uh, is not sleeping, sorry. <laughs> the baby is not singing. So the mother <laughs> sings to the baby and she tries again and again to find the right... Lullaby. Uh, and I think like this uh, recording is one of these uh, okay. attempts at the right lullaby. Dramatic piano music, I love it. Yeah. Was was that it? No, there's more. Oh, oh it's coming. constantly needing a new song for the baby. Mm. Oh. <laughs> it's really nice. I can't, so it was an ubik, there was a piano, there was a singer. A viola. A viola, yes. wow. Mm, nice. Mm -hmm. And the discussion after the, this OLAP was quite good, actually. Like, people were really giving suggestions on how the piece could become a full piece, you know, in a sense. Uh, like, dramaturgical comments as well which i think was different than the other discussions uh, after the olaps because mostly uh, in those as i remember people le were like more saying like i like this i didn't like this but uh, at the mm. one after the lullaby people were saying this is what i noticed and maybe you could do that other thing <laughs> you maybe know? that's nice because they really set it up as like we're not even finished so we're just gonna read it so it's like really like the audience isn't being performed to have a finished work 
Mm-hmm. I mean, but of course, that's like a because also it's really good to like do a work that isn't finished and like even though you want to do it completely, that's very valuable as well. But it's maybe interesting that maybe as an audience member, you feel more able to enter in and be like, oh yeah, I know it was rough, and I, but this is what I really liked. It made me feel good. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, people even liked the part that was read out as a potential like actual part of the piece. They said it kind of broke the flow in a good sense, you know, because mm. it's like constantly like, um, there is this song, there is this lullaby, and then she realizes it's not working. Oh, I need a new song, like we mm. heard uh, mm-hmm. at the ending of this recording. And then she attempts again and again and again. The scenery changes a bit. She has some characters that she also interacts with. We don't know if they are internal characters, like just like uh, parts of her own personality that she's speaking to in her head, or mm-hmm. if it's actual personages uh, mm-hmm. around. So yeah, it's it's quite a dreamy mm. piece, like a feverish dream, <laughs> which was uh, nice, I think. Yeah, I really liked it. I'm sad to have missed that. It sounds, mm. yeah, it sounds like it was a good one. Totally. You skipped the last day of the festival, huh? It yeah, Sunday I didn't go. Yeah. yeah, I mean I've gone every single day since the mm. Friday, um, and I didn't. Yeah, just didn't and I'm I'm sad because I did miss some things I wanted to see like Gabba for Life I, I yeah. don't know if you went to that but I, I, I really would have loved to have seen that and there were a couple of others but um, I need to look after myself but yeah, yeah. But I went maybe I can talk about something I went to on Thursday I think it was Het Zeus Complex and then I, I had a really nice interaction with some audience or like people who are at the festival and you'll hear them in the interview but they're called Jan Willem and Anmiek Anmiek and um, they're Dutch they're retired and they just spend sounds like they spend their time going to festivals <laughs> so they were they had like the pass partout for O, so they could go to like up to 25 shows and then um they were also going to venice for the Biennale, and then they were also going to castle so their right. life sounds amazing <laughs> um and i chatted to you're here in the interview but i chatted to jan willem in the after Hetzu's complex which i'll play in the background which was a show from some graduates from the performance school in maastricht um, and then I spoke to both of them after Miss Amata Sola on Friday. So I was really happy to catch them again and get them both. It was really nice. Um, but yeah, I'll just play. This is Zeus Complex in the background. What did you think of the show? This show? Yeah. Well, it was surprising. Um, We didn't know exactly what we could expect. Yeah. And um, in the beginning, it was very loud. So it was. uh, But uh, uh, during the show, uh, I understand better Mm. the story of Zeus. Okay. And um, well, I've uh, seen the Walkure, you know. No? It's, yeah. uh, it's also uh, an opera about Saus. Okay. Uh, uh, the Walkuur is one of them, but um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. 
they, they sang. The, the voice are very good mm. and uh, the, the music also. Uh -huh. It's not my kind of music, oh, but... Initial, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah this, yes, but uh, oh, just a uh, good, good what program. What was the story? Because I don't understand Dutch, sadly. No? I missed a lot. I couldn't understand any of the text. Oh! The, <laughs> <laughs> the story was uh, they uh, provoke uh, Zeus to do something. Zeus don't want. He said, uh, do it yourself. I'm, uh, I'm uh, a god. Uh -huh. That's the only thing I'm in. Uh, maybe I can, when she uh, was very uh, angry. Uh, she uh, cried for uh, do it yourself. Uh, I want to make uh, some decision for you, but it is not my. Uh, I don't. Usually I don't. Yeah. Uh, she got, got very angry, like a mother to the child. And that was the end? At the end, it was, um, well, more a cry of um, leave me. Do you, do you think yourselves? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. Nice okay. to meet you. Enjoy the beautiful, festival. Yeah, this uh, the 12th uh, performance we see. Really? And wow. we go to 25, so. Wow. <laughs> maybe I'll meet you again then. Okay. What's your see name? You. Jan Willem. Jan Willem. Okay. See you again. Thank you, Jan. Yeah, thank you. Ciao. And then we did meet again. And on the Friday, so I guess that was on the Wednesday or the Thursday, and then I spoke with Jan Willem and Anne Amik, his wife. But apart from the festival people, I think you two I've seen the most. Uh, yeah, how are you? Apart from the team who are running <laughs> yeah. and the artists, you two I've seen the most at shows. <laughs> well, we, we are lovers. Yeah. We had a yeah. bus for two, so we're 25. We, we took our pick for 25. Uh, but did you get a ticket for 25 shows? Yes. No, we uh, yes. have pass for two, you know? Then you can oh, uh, go everything. Yeah, yeah, but you have to uh, order tickets then, but uh, you have uh, one amount of money you uh, about 180 euro and they can see everything wow. yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are your names i know uh, jan willem yes oh annemiek annemiek and uh, have you guys got a background in music or no. theatre or you just no. love it well we love it we love a lot of culture film festival also the international yeah. film festival art art yeah. classical music yeah. um, museum so we are um, Extremely. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. We like it. We, we love like. it. Yeah. But I can't even read notes. So <laughs> that's what I know about music. Yeah. I like it or I don't like it. Yeah. And in the early days when I sing at street, my children say, please, go 50 meters ahead for me. Go away there. Yes, this. But we uh, love the news very much. We and, uh, tried singing in the. <laughs> in the choir of Club Gewalt. Yeah, but then uh, yeah, Corona COVID. came, so we stopped. Okay. Yeah. But uh, we heard, heard them singing uh, in Doorn and Roosje. Yeah. And it was uh, really nice. Yeah, it was nice. And Lou had a lot of trouble to keep me in tune. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's they were amazingly. Yeah, 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 they were very, yeah. very, very good. What have been some of your favorite shows you've seen? Uh, Lente. Uh, spring, uh, spring. Spring. Yeah, Lente. 22. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was. Which yeah. night did you go? Uh, the first night. First, first night. Uh, same here. Uh, no, uh, 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 on the no. day, first uh, show. First show. Yeah. It's also yeah. my favorite. What did you like? I about think. It? Um, well, uh, 
you had to, uh, in the beginning, it was a little bit of distance uh, story, and the more you look, the more you understand it. Although we don't speak Malays, yeah, we don't speak, but some uh, things are uh, written down, and then you can take uh, the whole story. And uh, well, the director also said to me, it is your interpretation, but to me it was, um, uh, the two, two uh, players mm -hmm. was one woman. Uh, she was searching for herself after the death of her uh, white man in Indonesia. And that uh, in that culture, when it was uh, still a colony of uh, Netherlands, then the uh, Indonesian woman uh -huh. was um, dropped out. Uh, the system, uh, she was, uh, well, discriminated. And so she had to look for herself. And that's the two artists were, were heard inside. The struggle okay. within. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah, I yeah. saw it on Saturday. Yeah, I yeah. loved it. I mean, it was very emotionally yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you really, yeah. it was like such a kind of up and down yes. of intensity, yeah. which was, yeah. I came out like, wow. Yes. <laughs> but I really, and the dancer yeah. was amazing. Yeah, I the really, dancer, yes. I was yeah. mesmerized and the singer yeah. also, but like the way she was moving in her dress. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved her dress. <laughs> <laughs> The black one or the white one? The cream one. The cream one, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So you had to order the dress as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the other show I liked most was uh, Opera Aperta. Okay. It was uh, Ukraini uh, Ukrainian uh, people. Yeah. Um, that was very impressive too. <laughs> we had the same. What is this about? But luckily, uh, uh, during the, the show, uh, you started to feel what they meant. And uh, after the show, we had a kind of nabespreking uh, uh, after, after the talk. talk. After ah. the talk. Yes. And that's what I miss uh, at the festival that you Sometimes. don't. Yeah. Sometimes you you want to hear some mm. more, and uh, th there isn't. Ah, oh, that was in Ch Chernobyl. Yeah, that was yeah. Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you I was there too? as well. Yeah, I saw that. Too, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. it was nice having that exchange, and they so wanted to talk to the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Ask us questions. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. so lovely. They were yeah. so um, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, yeah, wanting yeah. to. It's also also emotional. It was also uh, emotional. Yeah, emotional. After talk, uh, also yeah. the little girl that said, uh, "I don't want to play, but thank you that I can play." Yeah. and it's very uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard hard uh, world nowadays, uh, yeah. isn't it? it is. Yes. So, uh, so we are glad we say, oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What are you going to do next week when O's over? <laughs> oh, Sleep. <laughs> Another festival? We, uh, no, we go to uh, the 13th of June, we fly to Venice. Oh, for the God, you guys, what a life. I love it. Yeah. You have oh. to work hard, but when yeah. you're 65 or around that, you retire and you, you can do everything enjoy. you want. Wow. And, uh, Afterwards, to make you more jealous, yeah. we go to Castle. Really? <laughs> yeah. God, amazing. Yes, so Not we. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, well, uh, Armik uh, tried to paint, uh -huh. and I tried to uh, make sculptures uh -huh. or stone, you know? Yeah. Stone so, carving. Yes, so we have a lot to do. Uh, and yeah. grandchildren, oh. six. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, uh, have to do. But for all, we keep the whole week. Uh, as much free as possible. Yeah. Because Saturday we miss. Uh, because I like the first dates so much. Mm. They are so wonderful. But unfortunately, we have only seen three. 
four. four. We yeah. missed this morning because we had we were at the wrong address. Oh no! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that for? Yeah. Uh, um, and, uh, what now? Was it the first date? Yes. yes. At the uh, the, the fight school. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. went there. I also when I looked in Google, I couldn't find it, but I found the address on the O website. Oh, okay. Checked it. Yeah, yeah. Amazing place. It's yeah. a gin distillery. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we got a, yeah. we got a non-alcoholic gin. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and the music was also. Yeah, it was a hip hop artist and a baritone, I guess, classical singer. Okay. Um, and it was really nice. Like they were kind of singing separately, but then interacting a little bit. Yeah. And so, I mean, I really enjoyed the hip hop artist, and you could tell the baritone was really enjoying also yeah, the hip hop yeah, yeah. music. You know, he was like kind of like kind of doing on top, yeah. and um, yeah. they were having yeah. fun. Yeah. Yesterday evening, we, we went to the Gabber for Life. Gabber for Life. I haven't seen that one. How was it? No, like, it was I show you. Wait, I show you. Oh. After party. Was that? Yes. yes. Uh, what time did you guys get to house, bed? Uh, after party. <laughs> well, we live in Rotterdam. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you were dancing to Chava music? Chava music. Yeah. So at wow. this point, Jan William shows tiring. me a video of oh Anomik dancing so at the Gabba party, having <laughs> a really good time. <laughs> it was very exhausting. Aww. Where are you from? I'm from the UK. From the UK. And what's your name? Yeah, yeah. Chola. Chola? Chola. Yeah. Chola. Yeah. Oh my god. We, uh, this is a bit of Gabba for life. <laughs> this pumping. Wow. Yes. How many hours? Well, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and then no, a little done. bit longer. And so we had a uh, uh, Gabba uh, grandfather. Yeah, grandfather. It, oh. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> it's yes. not um, special like this, but. Mm. Uh, it's a story about. Way, uh, uh, it's yeah. about Rotterdam. You know Gabba music? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's uh, started in Rotterdam. Yeah. And uh, you have been there by the no. And the, uh, the lawyer of Rotterdam wanted to close it uh -huh. because it was uh, for him too heavy. Yeah. So we broke down the the hole where it was uh, old. Really? Yeah. Well, when, when all the cover music was happening? You mean? Or like the no, the no, venue? no, not during playing, but um, he, he closed the, and he uh, broke down. Okay. The the energy hall, the energy hall. That's uh, okay. an old. Uh, Old, it does not uh, exist anymore. And there started Gabba music. <laughs> and that's the story. Okay, but then he shut it down. Yeah. He don't want yeah. it. Uh, he wants to forbid it. The end of the Gabba. Yes. But there was another thing. Uh, we went to uh, Portrette in Concert. Okay. It's a, uh, a show uh, about a singer who interviewed people from. Uh, Tarwewijk, it's, uh, it's a wijk in neighborhood. Uh, a neighborhood in Rotterdam and uh, she asked them about their dog and their relationship and uh, it was it was a wonderful, uh, nice um, show, yeah, show but the NSA made a very nasty... Yeah, they had they'd gone to so many things, they were mm -hmm. such a joyous um, couple of people to meet, they were so lovely. Beautiful. I really enjoyed yeah. chatting to them. Yeah. And I wish them well in Venice and Castle. <laughs> <laughs> what a life, huh? Seriously. I know. Amazing. I know I didn't ask them what they did actually, but yeah, they were very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to a couple of uh, festival visitors 
as well, but I did not record all of the conversations. Mm. Some people are microphone shy, but I can summarize, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there was this one person I met at uh, Annabelle, uh, which was the venue where permanent destruction was happening. I really like this show, by the way. Uh, and I can speak about it a bit more after I tell you that this guy uh, was a gabberhead when mm. he was young, you know. So basically he was speaking about Gabber for Life as well. Um, since we didn't go there, I asked him how it was. And he said that it was truthful to the experience of that time in Rotterdam. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he did dance super quick with his, you know, like there's this special technique of kicking and you're almost like all the time in the air while you dance. Wow. Like a ballet dancer. No, not really. No, just like skipping steps so fast. Yeah, your feet are in the air all the time. Yeah, so that was cute. And. The permanent destruction was mm. a dance show as well, but a dance show in a sense that the audience was constantly dancing. Ah, wait, so this is incredible. the one that you saw Annabelle. Exactly. Yeah. So this this was a work uh, that lasted for three hours. Whoa. It was a trilogy. Um, and you went for the whole three hours. So I went for the first part, and then during the second second part or like there were these pauses in between so I went to see the uh, Italian interactive um, mm. Lulela Lulela yeah uh, during that but then I came mm. back um, because I, I had so much fun there um, basically I'm searching for the name of this performer Naomi Velisario uh, and she's quite a genius when it comes to poetry as well. Basically, um, the setup is like this. So it's a club, there's a stage, people are dancing, the music is like quite electronic, but still kind of very fluid between the genres of electronic music. There's a genius DJ on stage together with the performer, and um, the whole show is about a heavy heartbreak that she had. Um, one time in her life and uh, in the third part of the trilogy it, it, it's a super meta kind of a moment and uh, she explains to us that yeah her heartbreak made this show mm. as well um, always a good stimulus for creation eh yeah it's true it's true um, I mean pop songs are always about love but not all but like large majority of them are about love it's true yeah I guess it's um it's easy to create from pain, no? Yeah, <laughs> I, think it, I think, yeah, it is. Yeah, because it's a necessity to let things go out. Mm -hmm. Perhaps uh, I do enjoy works that are created from a place of pleasure as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, But the, this one was yes, just super fun, like um, dancing and just listening to this very, you know, intimate and deep text of her experience so I, I would love to play a bit from the third part of the trilogy in which she's insulting the audience but also thanking us mm. it's like a love-hate moment and this is when you're still dancing as an audience 
Yeah, yeah, you never stop dancing. Oh my god, that's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I also love that it was three hours. It's yeah, so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big breaks in, in the meantime. But yeah, um, I think uh, they're playing very soon in Den Haag, like on the 6th or 9th of June. Okay. So permanent destruction is for sure something to see. Okay, I'm going to look at that up. Yes, let's listen in a bit. Yes. You're on. You are the heroes of this night. You are a sight to have seen. You are a happening. You are a smashing audience. You are my dream come true. You had control of every moment. Not one wrong word crossed your lips. Your silence said everything. You are unforgettable. You gave your back, you cute force, you straight white men, you are students, you bubble heads, you found your boss, you sitting ducks, we're one of a kind, you wanna be a better day tonight, your imitations of life, you drift, you diddlers, you atheists, you double dealers, you dirty juice, you show me brand new visa, you don't fit yourself, you turn yourself inside out. You culture vultures, you dirty sound, you bumble vultures, money bags, pot hats, washouts, black bags, skulls and nothing but you generational freaks, ass kissers, small timers, hood ones, you jerks, you are priceless. You are a hurricane, you throw shatters on my spine, you are the right ones, you are breathtaking, you swept everything before you. Educated gas, cultivated classes, you're aristocrats, you hide, you 
Was that you whooping? I wasn't the only one whooping, you know. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I was having so much fun. <laughs> feeling like my body's <laughs> wanting to be back at O in the room. <laughs> totally. Well, this was a very powerful performance. And also the DJ, he was crazy. I don't know his name. Oh my God. I'm trying to find it. He oh. also knew all the words. Wow, that's cool. Yes. And really like um, being one with her as well. Amazing. Visuals, great. All of it. We love it. Uh-huh. Also, I just checked online. They're playing in Den Haag on the 9th. 10th, 11th and 20th wait, 9th, 10th, 11th of June and then the 20th of August so if you want to see any of this you can Thank you. 
She woke up sick. She listened to music. You ate Snickers. She read Halloween. You saw Titanic. You didn't move from the solo career of Robbie Williams. You were loving angels instead. You smoked weed on the top of a mountain. You were kissed on the top of a mountain. Your heart was broken on the top of a mountain. You saw a shooting star. You made a wish. You went to college. You grew a love for the useless, for the transient, for the vulnerable. You became unnatural. You became responsible for your history. You became guilty of the history of others. You learned to pretend. You learned to use your sexual powers. You expressed yourself by buying fancy objects. You expressed yourself by speaking to a crowd. You made the world into your own. You made yourself into who you are.
makes you feel like she's talking to you directly. It's this kind of a human experience that is particular to her and very personal as well, but then through this she really touches people. And I could see like people like almost crying, looking at her, like being completely mesmerized and uh, yeah, in another world and dancing crazy, obviously. Uh, Yoast Mas Musk is the uh, DJ. I found him. So nice. It reminds me a bit of um, well, a lot actually of Kiss This Earth, You Scum, which was a flamenco and acid rage on stage show I went to on Saturday um, afternoon um, with three performers there was a kind of person on the sound and there were two singers and also doing flamenco um, and it's a show by Carlin Hammer so I'm just gonna play the first bit the kind of text bit and then the first intro but it, yeah resonated a bit with the kind of speaking word over sounds super welcome if you are up to it come closer just an invite. I'm a mother of two beautiful children with red hair. And every day I am amazed by their inexhaustible lust for love. It's the way my oldest daughter already starts singing before 6 a.m. in the morning. The loudness of her scream when the piano lid slams shut on her finger. The way my newborn baby now smiles at everything that has eyeballs and falls asleep when you stroke her forehead. They're so ready. They're so present. They don't wake up from washing machines at night. They aren't bothered by the sound of the highway next to flat. They don't think my neighbor smells bad. They don't miss snow. They don't feel any difference in summer heat. They think that uh, everybody has exactly the same house as we. 
and it's their safe space, with no existence of ideas of an outside world. My daughter is standing before this big aquarium we are visiting. Look, Mom, that one has teeth, she says, and her joy is great. Watching her watch this fish, I can't help but imagine the roles reversed. Some alien creature is watching over us, and we are coupling, taking over resources, taking from the soil, reproducing, eating, polluting, like termites, only worse. And I'm just one of them. I am one big, white, consuming specimen who birthed two more big, white, consuming specimen. And from this alien perspective, I look down on the routines of my life, and the aliens see what is coming. They see this environmental apocalypse, which, not will, which will not be the end of all life, but certainly a great deal of life. I'm aware that the greatest reduction of my carbon footprint is to have fewer children. Life right now with two small children in the middle of this environmental collapse, growing inequalities, ongoing forms of imperialism, abstraction, oppression, racism, and we're not doing enough about it. It's my hands on this microphone, my hands on my baby bellies, my hands on the laundry, my hands on my shopping bag, my hands on diapers, my hands on the brush I use for washing the valves and the, the bottles of my breast pump. It's my hands into the soil of my balcony garden, my hands reaching out, saying, can't we fucking break through something with our elbow? Cool. They were like stamping on these um, metal squares on the stage, which were then triggering these sounds. Me? Are you kidding me? What is going on? What the fuck is going on? We're living in a fucking shit world. It's sick. Every inch of it. People are sick. 
plants are sick. Pigs and cows and chickens are sick. Yeah, there was a lot of swearing in this one, a lot of fuck and shit. And it was all about climate change and what's going on and being angry at the world because of that. intense <laughs> yeah it was I mean. it was super 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 intense and there wasn't as much flamenco actually as i thought there was gonna be oh yeah so they were heating of the floor or the panels yeah that, that was, was the them and then there were other bits they did were a bit more dancing but it was um yeah it wasn't like the flamenco music vibe which i guess that was my entry but didn't matter it had a different way of using flamenco and the acid part what was the acid part i guess the music the background music oh that's acid okay uh i don't think i could last the whole show in the space with this kind of an energy yeah i, d- I don't think you could either okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you would have enjoyed it fair enough okay so there Not are different <laughs> energetic <laughs> charges that the performers have when they speak about the uh current state of affairs the destruction of the world all the unfairnesses and apocalypses happening on many frontiers yeah, um, they did three they did one thing that was interesting was the three highest contributors in the netherlands to climate change number three was oh god i think it was shell mm-hmm. number two was skipple and number one was tata steel which is an Indian-based company, but I didn't actually know the Netherlands, I guess, own it. Mm-hmm. But it's creation of steel in India. But yeah, that was, that was quite interesting. Didn't know those facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Shell would have been way higher up, but no. Well, their place is still quite high. Yeah. You get on the steps, you get the medal, it counts. No? Yeah, I mean, and also <laughs> what's the difference between the three? I don't know. Yeah. They didn't say that. Okay. And, then they, and then they started singing about the different people who run those businesses and then like shouting at them, making songs and shouting at those individual people. Mm. Yeah. Were the people in the room? Uh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, let's, let's go uh, towards a more um, peaceful and beautiful 
also a piece uh, which was called uh, uh, Love Songs for a Shooting Star. Oh, I love this. Yes. This was Raya Lester, the performer on stage. It was like a raised stage in, in Warm Central Station. Super like a uh, flashy drag uh, costumography. Uh, really nice uh, kind of detail. Really cute. lovely character. Yes. All the performers were amazing. Yes. It looked incredible and the music was really nice. And the visuals as well. Mm -hmm. And then this person wearing a bird, a white bird mm. on their head. So yeah. cute. And it was all about, there was, there was like seven songs, I think, and all about different parts of the body and like energies of the body. Yeah, like chakras, but also yeah. planets, right? Yes, yeah, they related the planets, yeah. So there was this connection between the body and the outer universe and like the significance of each sort of a center. Yeah. So I I did uh, bootleg uh, this one uh, little part uh, with the story that made the the song happen as well, which is super touching. So trigger warning, tearjerker, you know, um, <laughs> uh, and morning, it's the sixth morning, song, <laughs> and the sixth one is the heart. So let's hear that. So I thought, yeah, now is finally the moment. My dreams are come true. I'm this big star I always dreamt to become. And I would have some shows in that concert, you know, my festival called Motel Mosaic, and people loved me, you know. And I was like, really? You like me? And uh, two years later, I was doing again something even bigger, and I saw, now, yes, finally is the moment that I'm becoming a superstar, you know, the dream of it also didn't work. But anyhow, in that moment, my dad was um, dying of cancer. Can we make it a bit more dramatic? Like a little bit some melodic. Yeah, so my dad was in Venezuela, back there, dying of cancer. And I was here for the first time, I felt like I was a rich person, you know, because I had some thousand euros and stuff in my bank account. And little by little, everything that I worked so hard for many years, I started to lose it with the treatment of my father. Uh, at some point, my dad was on his bed, uh, dying. He needed a hip replacement because the cancer had eaten already all the head of his femur. And we didn't have money for this. And I started a Kickstarter, a crowdfunding, the Kickstarter for my album that also was a failure. <laughs> so I started this crowdfunding. And at some point, uh, you know, the money's not kicking in and my dad is just seriously just dying and becoming drier and drier like a racing. And one day I say, okay, because I wanted to keep this crowdfunding personal, I said, I will put it in my artistic page because, you know, it's just not working. So in that moment, two days later, I received a message from a person that said, hey, Lester, this might be a bit creepy, um, but uh, two years ago in Motel Mosaic, you would start your performance all the time under this spotlight and before starting you would close your eyes and wait for the audience to fill the room and one of the evenings I was sitting there by myself and you blink an eye to me and close your eyes and I cannot explain what happened but that blink of an eye, that gesture changed my life and I don't know but you gave something to me that allowed me to move forward in a very strong moment in my life and she said, I already gave five, uh, 50 euro to your dad's account, but I want to offer you all the money for the operation because I know that it's not happening. 
And um, in that moment, it's like, you know, I was so desperate and lost. <laughs> and my dad was dying on the other side of the world and we were just all really hoping for a miracle. <laughs> and it was there, you know, from one day to the other. And I think that what I try to do with this show and these songs is that we can all understand that there are so many things that escape out of our control, but it seems that there is a major magnetic force that is pushing pieces around. And if you just let yourself feel and let go and surrender to that force, things always happen, you know? Like this uh, hat that I was doing Amen. yesterday with hot glue, <laughs> and I thought it's gonna fall, but still we are winning, no? You, you feel me? So, well, this song is dedicated to this person that changed my dad's and my life. And it's also to show you that we have so much privilege in here that it's an illusion that we can't do anything to change the world. We are the world. And we are like, I don't know, 30 people here in the room. So everything is available for us to make something. This song is called The Miracle of a Heart in Flames. Because a heart that is on fire is able to change absolutely everything. You know, in the song number two, it's about emotions, and it says that emotions are like octopus in the sea. Watch out because they can come and squeeze you. And sometimes what I do when I'm really like over-emotional, I just focus on my breathing. So I think that we could just focus on our breathing together. To equilibrate the energy of the room, and if you want, you can do it. I will place my left hand, which is my receptive hand, on my heart to feel the, the cheers. <laughs> to feel it's normal. Don't worry. We are all two humans. Um, to feel the the heartbeat of my body. Hey, 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 hey. 
Beautiful Araya Lester. I loved how they described the name. It's like Mariah, but without the M. And I was like, oh, easy to remember. <laughs> Excellent. I, I, I wasn't expecting to hear pop at this mm. festival. And I was actually quite glad that I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, this show happened, like, I, I didn't uh, catch the whole show. So this was Love Songs for Shooting Star. Because I was at the Theater Schauburg Grote Saal the big room of the place for the Madrigals, which was a show that um, was promising a lot before, but... Not during. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't do anything to me personally. I think that the standing ovation uh, <laughs> tells us uh, that people have uh, extremely enjoyed it. But there have uh, actually been loads of standing ovations, like rebuilding a voice got um, ovation. Loads of the shows I've been to, and, not, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but it was like... I think the Dutch audience was very uh, uh, generous. Okay, they or, just like to stand and clap forever I think so. and shout. In and the UK, be maybe it's also a different sensibility, a cultural thing. I don't know. Yeah. In Slovenia, I also think it has to be really genius and groundbreaking yeah. to get a standing yeah. ovation and like to uh, invite the performers three five six times to come back and bow and so on yeah yeah it doesn't happen so often no. okay interesting so maybe this is a little analysis of the dutch plus international public in the dutch environment yeah mm. but Could i was kind of often surprised yeah. everyone was standing and i felt really awkward being the only one sitting down but sometimes was like you know i had the recorder on my lap or my bag and i was just like oh god this is a bit too awkward <laughs> <laughs> uh. it's all right i think at that moment nobody really uh, cares about if uh, <laughs> cares about the fact that you're clapping with them or not no. i mean the focus is on stage for no, sure of, co- of course it's just more you can't see anything anymore and you're like should i shouldn't i but you know it's just the like um ah uh, and you're like i was a little bit surprised sometimes when it was i was like oh wow okay oh okay oh wow everybody okay <laughs> yeah only awkward if you're sitting in the first row <laughs> i think so uh, they they um described this madrigals as an utopian spectacle piece crackling Monteverdi, explicit visuals and surprising electronica. I must say that I like uh, Dun Kanda, who was the artist that was doing the electronics. I like what they do in general. Yes. Um, there was also a viola, violin and some sort of a lute. So there was a trio that was playing Monteverdi's uh, uh, Madrigas um, and uh, a bunch of performers. I think there were eight performers. They were all nude all the time. I think they didn't have budget for uh, costumography. Is that the explicit visuals? Yeah, that's the explicit visuals. Basically, they're just all naked all the time. And it's cool because they have like these black uh, straps around their waists which hold their wireless microphone transmitters. So basically that's it from the customography. Uh, so we have this uh, a bunch of uh, naked uh, people running around and kind of interacting with each other all the time. And uh, 
the text is not really working because the subtitles are not there constantly. Um, there's a really cool moment in the scenography of the piece. So basically the violin player goes from the way background into the front of the stage and she places her violin on the floor and she does like this very fast movement like and after she's done with this movement a real fire bursts out of a fireplace on stage like there was a lot of fire and smoke I guess wow. and then there is this weird scene where they are all sitting around the fireplace there's a guy with a guitar and it's like are we at scouts or some hippie camp I'm not sure I thought that we were in Theater Schauburg um Grotesal. and then there can is we, this can we someone listen as you talk oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we, we were <laughs> <laughs> I want to play some as well <laughs> sorry I love the description but I want to relate to what it's doing yes please so uh, here it is yeah. so uh, they were saying yeah how uh, geniusly reinterpreted the madrigals were and how contemporary and so on but what we hear is quite uh, Simple classical Monteverdi. uh, And the naked man is singing this, if I haven't mentioned yet. What, like stark naked? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They were all naked, like all eight performers. The musicians, not just the performers, the singers. Mm. There was a lot of nakedness in Chernobyl Dorf as well. Mm But it only happens sometimes, and then it was like, yeah. But the but the musicians and the performers, it was like, because the musicians sometimes became a performer and came into this main stage. So I like that. It was like everybody. Yes, uh, there is a special power, no? When you're in the biggest room of the theater, uh, naked uh, on stage. Uh, maybe that's uh, something that they play around with, or what? Yeah, I mean, it must be pretty. Feel pretty great. <laughs> I Lisa can't just imagine. rolled her eyebrows at me and was like, chill out, say what? Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Is it, is it great? Does it produce a big effect if you're naked on a big stage? Or like, what's the effect if you're naked in a small room? I think I'd be more scared in a small room than a big stage. Right. What about you? Yeah, totally. Like, if I was in Ubek, I'd be more scared than if I was in Grotesal in Teatro Rotterdam. Yeah, yeah. Well, people can either see details or not, huh? Either you're just like a tiny little person in uh, far away mm. or like, yeah, like yeah, a zoom in experience. But the music body. does sound so, sorry, today, but just like I'm listening in now, it's, it sounds pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously the instrumentation is different, but is that it? That's it. Well, there are moments when electronics come in. But you know what? I couldn't watch this show, to be honest, because the sound was so bad Mm. so I don't know what happened but uh, I was expecting much more from the (laughs) theater production uh, in this big venue Mm -hmm. Uh, from the sound no I don't know what happened but just like levels were not okay and uh, at moments microphones were not working and uh, the instrumentalists were just yeah not really um, mic'd well or something I don't know yeah uh, uh, I I spoke to some of the audience members after they didn't notice this aspect but um, 
I don't know, as a, as a performer or someone that does sound in my life, I'm pretty sure that the sound was shitty, mm. you know? I was even like thinking, should I go talk to them? Should I complain to someone that the sound wasn't nice? So now, I'm doing it right now publicly, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, question. Uh, yeah, yeah, question mark. What, uh, what happened? Picasso. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so quite a big promising production. Like one thing that I really enjoyed was that there was a lot of stuff hanging from the ceiling down and mm. they have this cool automatic uh, system of kind of dropping down the coulisse. Is it coulisse in English as well? So it's like the, yeah, basically the scenography, the drapes. Uh, uh, yeah. um, I don't actually know what they're called. Yeah. Um, and there was some quite nice artworks that also appeared during mm. the show, just like dropping from the sky for no apparent reason. I also did not understand the whole narrative of the show, like there was no story really. Maybe there was a story, but the subtitles of mm. these uh, pieces that we're hearing of the Madrigals did not work. So, and it happened uh, for quite a couple of shows that I've seen at this festival that the subtitles just simply don't appear at the right time or don't mm. appear at all. Or like as I happen experience a couple of times, you go to a show and it's completely in Dutch, which is okay. Yeah. But then, then songs were in English. I don't know if you experienced any, but Hetzus Complex was like that. All the text and talking was in Dutch, and then all the songs were in English. And same as Zenith, which is something I saw in uh, Ubik and Worms about the Olab one. And um. I mean, I watched them both to the end, but I was confused. Like, the Hetzus Complex was more like the songs and it was a bit more stagey, so kind of it was quite more interactive. Whereas the Zenith one had a lot of text and I unfortunately couldn't follow along. But it was just, I could get that it was describing places and then they were walking through and around, but I couldn't. I, I like heard links and racks a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I found it weird that then the songs were English because then I kind of picked up on that, but I was like, but what's the context of these songs? I don't know. Did you, yeah. did you get that? Uh, no, I didn't notice this. But uh, I do think that the contemporary audience is quite confused when it comes to the libretto as a form mm. that accompanies the music, right? So uh, I don't know what's the best principle here. Like, do you scan the QR code such as in Sun and Sea? Do you watch the subtitles? Is your eyesight good enough to see the subtitles actually? Or are the subtitles working? Um, mm. You know, like, do you read in the booklet that you got? Do you read while it's or happening? Do you even or? need to understand? Right. Because in Zenith right. and Hatsu's Complex, I just tried to absorb in a different way, which is also kind of a nice experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But obviously sometimes it's like, you know that you kind of need to understand to get it. Yes, yes. And uh, it, it, it's uh, nice, it's sympathetic, no? that some people really read all the mm. descriptions before going mm -hmm. to a show even like in other forms of art and some people just like come in with a blank uh, mm -hmm. blank slate blank mind it's like up for the experience and perhaps afterwards like investigate what was this about and what was it about for me as the mm. audience member as well because we're coming to the end i wanted to us to end by talking about our favorite shows and maybe i can tell you mine first because yes, i didn't please. speak about it in this episode but it was glossalia which mm. was at hacker gabao um, and it was a piece with voices and I think I told you about it but the guitar like rubbing on the floor and a pianist and a saxophonist and it was like 
sound was moving around, the audience were moving around the space and we were invited to keep on moving around and reposition ourselves and the singers were kind of amongst the crowd of us so it was all kind of very intertwined and I, I think that's like been the only really thing I've seen like that in that kind of more abstract amorphous flow of bodies and sound being delivered which I really really liked. Mm, excellent, mm-hmm. super. I have a couple of favorite ones oh, right. actually. Yeah it's hard to choose one because mm they had a different effect on me yeah. you know so permanent destruction was very powerful in terms of poetry and its energy as well mm-hmm. so we spoke we, we've spoken about it today and we had a lot of it yeah Naomi Velisario uh, I think I will go see the show again mm, <laughs> do it I yeah, wanna go yeah super and uh, then I really liked Sola Soleta as I'm well I'm sad I missed that yeah it was by Marie Beth Diggs, uh, an American author, singer, creator. And it was kind of commenting on the like patriarchal institutional patterns that performers, women performers especially, often find themselves in. So it was critical theory, but not at all because it was humorous, funny, enjoyable. Mm. There was so much playfulness and... Uh, I just liked it. There were also like these really strange uh, scenographic elements of kind of gender bent toys moving and making sounds in the background. Yeah, so this was quite excellent. Uh, as well as uh, Lenta K. Mm, yeah, yeah, that was a fave as well, actually. It was beautiful. Lenta 22K, I never know. <laughs> Yeah, it has 22. Lente K22 or Lente 22K. And that's going to be on, as doing, they're doing a tour from end of September in the Netherlands. So look it up if you're interested to go see it. Yes. Was it the first show we've seen? That I saw? N- no, that was on the Saturday. I'd already seen a few before that. And on the Friday, I'd seen stuff. All right, all right. But it was quite early on. It was, yeah. And that was the only time I went south. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> to go south <laughs> yeah it's far <laughs> <laughs> it was more like I thought there was going to be more down in south but then I think somehow the venues changed or maybe I didn't go to those shows but I do think that the first weekend there were more things yeah. in the south yeah. and the theatre was am- the theatre Zoutplein Zoutplein was amazing yes, yes. very f- f- recently finished mm-hmm. and finished <laughs> I, I, I liked the um, choices for the venues mm. that the festival yeah. made as well like uh, also making some places that are not regularly um, venues for shows yeah. into uh, places yeah like the shows. place for first dates where I saw the it was like a boxing ring and a gin and tonic distillery amazing amazing yeah yeah. yeah. also the one that uh, Sun and Sea happened in I ha- I never noticed that building yeah, I have Faro no Dome. idea what is it it's for amazing I don't know, it must have been part of the industrial life there and then maybe they just, people can rent it, I don't know. Okay. The only thing that was yeah. bad about it though was the sound was not so good mm. because that kind of dissipated too quickly. Echoes, yeah. Sun and Sea has been the most thing I've seen from O that friends have been Instagramming. Like so many of my friends went to see it and have been Instagramming <laughs> different bits from it. Well, it's a very photogenic piece. It is very yeah. photogenic. It was beautiful as well. Yes, yeah. it was. Wow, Chola, is this the end of our reportage? I think so, Tisa. Wow. How I'm, are you feeling? I, I'm relieved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very happy to uh, have had the chance to go to the festival with yes. you and to report to the audiences around. 
on what has been happening. Yeah, yeah. and get to chat to people and performers. It's been so nice. And also meet the O team, like with Yost mm. being on here, then Matthijs and Brigitte, everyone who we've like met and has helped us be able to go into things. Thank you very much. Yeah, and of course, to Lucas you. from Worm for asking us to do this. It's been really fun, and I look. I want to go to O again next year. Absolutely, me too. And also to see how the shows uh, progress. Mm. No? And I want to contribute. Wait, that's wait. that's like a, that's a, uh, what's it called? Bucket list goal. <laughs> next year, something at O, Super. but of my own. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, or with others, but like co-creation. I also want to keep in touch with some of the performers that I've met that mm. have been super inspiring. And maybe invite them to my other show, the side entrance. This is a promo moment. What's Perfect. your sh- regular show on Radio Warm, Chola? I don't perform for time. Time performs for me. A bit of a mouthful, but I do it with Megan Clark, and we talk about our art practices and time, and how we're kind of occupied by time or use time in our practices. We make works of sound and play them, and then talk about them, and then play them again at the end. So it's also about listening and a kind of shared experience. Super. When is it on? Uh, Saturdays, every four weeks on Saturdays. So I think the next one's at the end of July. Um, what about, because yeah, we're taking a holiday break. What's your one about side entrance? Uh, the side entrance is a show where I interview people weekly. So I interview improvisers, composers, and performers of different kinds about their practices, also about the friction or like this dance of improvisation and composition. And uh, there's a lot of metaphors, there's a lot of experiences that people share and just like the ways that they create and what they deem important and so on. So I learned so much from these conversations. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's it. Every Friday from 4 to 5 p.m. on Radio Warm. <laughs> Perfect. Super. Yeah, so this will be uploaded. Other ones will be uploaded. So if anyone wants to know more about O and hear us when we were in the midst of it, you can listen back. But thank you, Tisa, for co-reporting. Thank Thanks you, Chola. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice time. It was a very nice time. Excellent. Woo. Ciao for now. This is it. <laughs> Radio Worm goes to O Festival. Reports from Chola and Tisa. <laughs>